Good morning, church. It's great to be with you in this online experience. And I've been praying a lot over these last several days about this time together. And, and I felt impressed on my heart very strongly of a scripture verse to start with. I know typically I like to start with something clever or funny, and <laughs> you'll get those things later. But I just was so strongly impressed on this verse. And before I do anything, I just want to read this verse to you. And it comes out of Isaiah chapter 41 in verse 10. Isaiah says, on behalf of God, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I've been thinking about the journey that we've been in as a church since the beginning of this year, and it struck me today of God's providence and how he's led us in our teaching. I, I carry the weight of standing in front of you 30 minutes on Sunday and oftentimes 45 minutes on Thursday and, and what my mouth should be used for, and always doing my best to surrender my gifts to God because, alas, the only thing that will last in your life is God's words, not my words. And so in doing so, I'm always in prayer about the series that we might be in or the upcoming series that we should be in. And we started this year, I felt so impressed to do this series on the Forgotten War. I didn't make any sense to me. I had all the ideas of starting fresh and New Year's resolution and all these great revival in your life kind of series. But yet God said, no, it's this one you're meant to do. And, and the line that kept coming to me the entire series that we had was this. There's a war for peace. For peace of mind. I had no idea that we'd be stepping into the season we'd be stepping into right now. I had no idea that that series would end in the closing of my final uh, sermon of that series in which I would read from the book of Ephesians about the armor of God. And it was actually that weekend, a couple weekends previous, so as I was prepping for that weekend, that I was reading the verses and I stopped at the end of the armor of God, yet I read the following verse, which talked about praying without ceasing. And it was actually in that moment that I felt the Spirit impress on me. Matt, the next thing you need to do is do a series on prayer. And I said, okay, Lord, can I just get done with this one first? <laughs> and so I carried in my heart and began to plan around that. The Forgotten War would go so many weeks. And then almost immediately after, I'd take a week off and I'd start the series on prayer. But some things got mixed around, which was a bit disappointing to me. Because I wanted to start this series on prayer sooner. Yet, it would be this morning that we would start the series on prayer the same day that our president would declare a national day of prayer. And I look at that and go, man, this is so amazing how God is leading our community. Clearly, this is not Craig or Matt or any other spiritual leader or staff's church. This is Jesus' church. And he's leading us and he's guiding us and we use our gift sets to the best of our ability to lead you in the way that God has called us to serve you. But I'm so struck that we truly are in the palm of his hand, that, that we would learn that there's a war for peace of mind, and yet we'd step into a season where everyone is freaking out. Everyone is panicking. Everyone is trapped in fear. Yet we know that we get to fight from victory, not for victory. And that alas, as we begin this time of closing our church doors in the manner of large gatherings and as people around the world are shutting things down, that now we realize there's a call to us, a call to pray. 
a call to understand that what we're meant to do as children of the living God is to pray for those around us. And ironically, and yet providentially, we see that God wanted this for our church, that even today, this morning, you know that our president has declared that today is a day of prayer for our nation. I want to read to you a verse out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, that kind of stirred me in this series in the closing of the Forgotten War. And it reads as such, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I believe that more than ever at this time, we need to hunker down and pray. We need to pray like we've never prayed before. We need to be more focused on prayer like we've never focused before. Because if you think about it, humans love to pray. (laughs) I've been reading several different books on prayer, and one gentleman by the name of Pete Gregg, who started a prayer movement called the 24-7 Prayer Movement in the UK and has spread around the world, he talks a lot about the fact that humans are all praying. That if you go to Mount Athos, there's Orthodox monks that are praying right now. If you go to the Ganges River, there's Hindus that are praying right now. If you were to visit maybe a Celebrate Recovery meeting, there would be people gathered there praying right now. That there would be flags flickering in Nepal as people would be on top of mountaintops praying right now. That even in Thailand, people would be climbing to the tops of mountains and praying right now. That actually on Easter, it said more than 25% of people pray the Lord's Prayer. And one out of every five people bow to pray towards Mecca. Human beings like to pray, but the question is, to whom and for what? Pete puts it this way. From primitive cave paintings to the whitewashed walls of the Royal Academy, the universe impulse to pray permeates and pulsates throughout human anthropology, archaeology, sociology, and psychology. It is no exaggeration to say that to be human is to pray. The question, therefore, is not so much why we pray, but rather how and to whom. Now, we're in a season right now where we pray alongside Christ. And he is our intercessor standing before the Father, petitioning our prayers before him. And that prayer is the way he showed us how to truly be human. And prayer is the thing that we need now more than ever. But why don't we pray? If you ask the average person today, how often do you pray? Like legitimately take time to be conscious of God and yourself. The comment usually is not that much, or maybe perhaps in a church setting. But outside the church setting, the idea of praying is something that we know we might need to do or something we might think we should do, but we often don't do. Why? Because we're in a storm of distractions. We are so distracted, we're probably distracted more than any other generation that has existed on this earth. In fact, I had a friend, Gabe Lyons, that did a recent talk on our distraction. He rattled off a bunch of stats that he had researched in his recent studies. These are some of the things he mentions in his talk about how distracted we are. Two out of three car accidents are because people were distracted while they were driving. The average student can only focus for about two minutes before they get distracted. You only have the capacity to even focus on the internet for about 40 seconds. <laughs> 25 to 34-year-olds spend about two and a half hours online as compared to 8 to 18-year-olds spend about nine hours a day on social media. 
There's a thing called phantom phone. Have you heard of it before? Where you constantly think that the hair moving on your legs underneath your jeans is your phone actually vibrating. And you keep grabbing to reach for it. Always distracting ourselves. Some would say that it's about 2,600 times a day that you tap your phone in some capacity. And actually, once you distract yourself, it takes you about 25 minutes to refocus yourself once again. (laughs) We're distracted. (laughs) And in some ways, we're in a storm of distraction. Maybe more than ever at this time in history, we're distracted by media and how it's feeding us all day long. In fact, a lot of the worry that we struggle with, not even just around the certain situation we're in right now with the coronavirus, but in general, the anxiety and worry that we, worry that we walk in is because of what we put in front of ourselves. The things that are constantly vying for our attention, wanting more of our time, wanting our brain power, wanting our vision, our thinking, our feeling. We're just constantly distracted, yet it seems as though humans are designed to pray, but we never take time to pause pray. We never take time to just stop and put things away. So many people right now in our current situation are saying, this is what you should do. Only watch the news, maybe in the morning and at night. Limit it to two times. Maybe even consider putting your phone away most of the day if possible, because it's going to generate an amount of stress and distraction around you. And right now as believers, you got to focus on God. As Christians right now, this is a time to dig in to know the Lord. Why? Not just for us, but that we might be people that pray on behalf of those in our nation, on behalf of our leaders, on behalf of our elderly, on behalf of those who have illnesses that they're already struggling with, on behalf of those that are in current fear, that we would rise up as the body of Christ and pause to pray. Jesus, when he walked on the earth, one of the things his goal was to do was to obviously redeem us with his father, but then give us a picture of how we're meant to live. Give us an understanding of how we're meant to walk in this life. Give us a a roadmap, if you will, of what it truly means to be human. And when you look at Jesus, you'll notice that Jesus prays a lot. Jesus prays often. I was going through scripture and pulling out different parts of where I saw Jesus praying just briefly as I could and noticed that he does it in many different occasions. He prayed before he launched his public ministry. He did that for about 40 days in the desert. In fact, he didn't just pray, he fasted and prayed. He prayed before choosing his 12 disciples. He prayed all night before doing that very act. He prayed when he heard the news was cousin John being killed. He actually withdrew privately to spend time and prayer. He prayed after feeding the 5,000 people. In fact, when he did so, he climbed a mountain to go and pray after seeing such a miraculous act of provision happen to the crowds. He even prayed when facing death, knowing the, he was being obedient to his father. He prayed to the point of sweat and blood vessels bursting in his skin that he might bleed while he was praying in such anguish. He even prayed when his friends failed him in the garden and failed to be with him in prayer and actually fell asleep. See, prayer is foundational. It's the core of what Jesus did. And a lot of people would critique that and say, well, that that doesn't make sense. He's Jesus. Why would he have to pray? Yes, he is Jesus, 100% man and 100% God. And as Christ, you know what? A lot of his prayer time was communicating with his Father and with the Spirit. 
After all, they're in community, and he was praying and in communion with them in constant conversation as God and also as man. But then he's also showing us this is how you're meant to live in trying times. This is how you're meant to live in checking in with the Father and being obedient to what he's called you to do. This is how you're meant to live in all categories of the decision-making that you have during your day and during your week. This is how you're meant to live, prayerfully. You're meant to pray. After all, we're here, or you're there, in a thing called church. A community of faith, of people coming together that all believe that Jesus is the true living God. And that church, that massive gathering of believers that's been growing for thousands of years, started in a prayer meeting. As the disciples gathered in the upper room and prayed. It was that the Spirit of God came upon them and they stumbled out speaking different languages, expressing that the Spirit had now come upon man. And this church, the body would be birthed. It all started at prayer. It wasn't a brilliant strategy meeting. It wasn't happening in a big conference. It was a bunch of humble individuals, in many ways heartbroken that their friend, son, rabbi had now departed. And they waited in faith and eager expectation of this spirit to come, the Holy Spirit. It was in prayer that that began. And so I want to have this time this week and the next several weeks to talk about prayer. To talk about how we respond to our current situation in prayer. To, to look at how prayer is meant to happen within us. Now, I've heard for many years a clever little acronym for the word pray. And I tried to find something cooler, but this is just the best one that anyone's come up with. <laughs> and pray, some would say, pray stands for pause, remember, ask, yield. Pause, P, remember, R, A, ask, Y, yield, pray. And so we're going to march through these next four weeks talking about prayer in that manner. And this morning what I want to address is this idea of how do we start praying. And I would suggest to you the way you start praying is you stop praying. Because oftentimes our words are going, but we're not actually communing with God. We don't realize that maybe at times we just need to stop remove the distraction, and pause before we say anything. Jesus said this to the Pharisees, Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 to 8. He said, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. See, the Gentiles had this understanding that if they just said these words over and over again, it was like putting their petition before God because their gods didn't understand what they needed. And so they would say these things over and over again, like a reminding, kind of like when you're a child and you constantly wanted to remind your parents of that dessert you wanted after dinner. And they told you, I know already. Stop asking. (laughs) Jesus is saying, don't do that to your father because your father... He's not just a pagan God that's a statue that really doesn't hear anything you say. He's the living God who's your father, and he already knows everything you already need. After all, he's given you two ears and one mouth. So maybe you should listen twice as much as you speak. And Jesus says, just pause. Pause and acknowledge how great God is. In fact, the psalmist writes this in Psalms 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored 
by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. I love that for me because I'm always consumed with the ideas of how can I make Jesus famous. And oftentimes I can make my prayer life something that I'm working on in the sense that I feel like if I do more, he needs to do more. But he's saying, hey, Matt, be still. I'm already going to be honored. I'm already going to make that happen. You be still. Now still in the Latin comes, kind of creates the word for us in English, vacation. And what he's saying is take a vacation from thinking you're me. Because you know it's something that's funny that I've read recently? God never is concerned with being confused that he's us. <laughs> but we oftentimes get confused thinking we're him. See, pausing allows us to stop and step away from the situation or step away from the distraction or step away from the, the distress and say, I'm not going to relate to God in the current kerfuffle that's happening in my brain of what I want and what I don't want. I'm going to pause. And I'm going to listen. Because oftentimes I just come at him and I'm talking and I'm talking and I'm talking. And to be honest, I don't even give him a word in edgewise. And it might be because I'm scared of what he might say to me. So I just figure I'll just keep talking, 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 talking. And then he'll just do what he wants to do. Yet God's going, I have some things I want to say to you. I have some things that I want to communicate to you. I have some things that I want to share with you. I have some things that I want to talk to you about that, trust me, you want me to talk about with you. But I'm not going to scream over all the noise of the distractions that are around you. I'm going to speak in a gentle whisper. There's a great story in 1 Kings chapter 19 of Elijah. And Elijah just come out of a difficult time with Jezebel and he's at a place where he realizes that everyone in Israel is killing all the prophets and he's struggling. And there's a point where God wants to meet with Elijah in a very close way. And so God, Elijah runs and hides in a cave and God wakes him up and tells him to eat and he gets his strength and lays back down to sleep and eventually he's awoken again and God comes and he speaks to him. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 to 13. God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After, <clears throat> sorry, after the wind, there was an earthquake shaking the ground, as you can imagine, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing, Elijah? See, Elijah gets this radical experience, the kind of experience that many of us would like, where we, we're outside, we're desperate, we're frustrated, and we just yell to God, God, show me a sign. Shake the ground. Send a mighty wind that would tear the stones off this building. Show me fire during the day and fire at night. Yet God's not always in that. Because oftentimes God is in the gentle whisper. But how are we going to hear his whisper unless we pause? 
We need to learn to listen for the whisper. Before we begin to actively ask for anything, before we even begin to rejoice about him or, or yield to his plans, we need to pause and say, what is the whisper? How is he whispering to me now? When my kids were little, well, they're little, but even when they're even littler, they always began at some point at a certain age, I can't remember exactly which age it was, learned the idea of secrets and learned the idea of whispers. And typically they'd climb up on top of me with their sweaty little clammy body in Hawaii with their diaper on and snot running down their nose and crackers all over their face and say, Daddy, I want to tell you a whisper. And I'd usually respond, okay. Because I knew that meant that they'd be so close that they'd literally be inside of my ear breathing their hot cracker snotty breath into my ear, tickling myself with all their, eye, with their eyelashes and eyebrows as they're nuzzling in, trying to whisper to Daddy. You can't hear whispers from far away. You can't hear whispers across the street. You can't hear whispers across the parking lot. You can only hear whispers up close and personal. And that's how God wants to speak to you. He doesn't want to shout at you from the top of a mountain. He doesn't want to write a note in the sky. He doesn't want to even have fire or some great wind. No, God wants to get so close to you that you can hear him whisper. That means that he wants to be intimate with you. That means that his desire is to be up close and personal with you. That at this time when maybe you're struggling in some form of worry or stress or fear and you're looking from God to make some big loud news noise, maybe you should just pause. Say, God, I want to hear your whisper. I want to hear you come close. Oftentimes people have asked me, well, Matt, how, how do you hear from God? You just got up and opened up with this idea that God was speaking to you on what to teach. Was it a sign? How did you hear it? It was a whisper. It was something close, so clear yet in my gut, and it was a whisper that God didn't mind repeating. Because God's not looking to just say one thing in which you misunderstand and go on and think he said another. God will sit with you as often as he wants you to sit with him. Every time I come home from work, I met with my kids running and jumping on me. That's very difficult with my 10-year-old daughter right now. She's very tall. In fact, my back is hurt oftentimes from that. But there's nothing better than as a dad walking into the door and your kids come running down excited to see you. That's how God comes to you when you pause. He comes like that child that wants to run up to you and say, can I whisper in your ear? My son, my daughter, can I get close to you? Will, you? will you stop for long enough for me to climb up next to you and sit with you and maybe even hold you and whisper into your ear? More than ever, with the storms of distraction that we're caught in, with the chaos that's ensuing around us right now, this is the time when we need to more than ever to pause and listen for the whisper. We need to pause and listen to the Father's voice because it's in that whisper that worry leaves, that anxiety flees, that distraction runs because there's no greater whisper than that of our Heavenly Father. My encouragement to you, during this next week, 
pause as frequently as you can. It's not going to do you any good to sit and stress and worry and panic. That's never done anyone any good. It's not going to do you any good. Maybe you're not allowed to go to work right now. Maybe your schedule has changed. Maybe this is an opportunity for you where you can pause because things aren't happening as normal. Your kids' soccer games have stopped. The baseball team is not playing anymore. Your social activities aren't happening this week. Maybe this is the greatest opportunity for you in 2020 to just pause and listen for the Father's whisper because he wants to get close, get intimate, and talk to you. But he just needs you to pause long enough.